Well, today is, this me, church, day eight of 21 days of fasting and prayer. Amen. Day eight of 21 days of fasting and prayer. And some of you are going, really? I didn't even know. Well, now you know. It's day eight of 21 days of fasting and prayer. I want to encourage you to do something. Um, we do this every year. We've been doing this for about 12 years. It's taken the first part of January. We take 21 days and we just dedicate it to the Lord. And we actually meet every night except Saturdays. So we're meeting now tonight at 7 o'clock. It's going to be Monday through Friday at 7 o'clock. On Sunday through Thursday, we end right at 8 o'clock. We're very diligent and, and we respect your time and you got to get home and, and kids got to get to school and you got to get to work. And, and so we end at 8 o'clock. Fridays, we go a little bit later, about 8.30. We want to encourage you to come and take this 21 days as we launch uh, what I believe is going to be an incredible, incredible year. And I want to encourage you to grab one of these cards. On your way out to my left, there's a table there. There's all sorts of information on fasting. There's, there's information on the Daniel fast. There's information on, on different types of fast, how to fast, why to fast, biblical references for us, what happens to us when we fast besides getting hungry, which we all do. We get hungry, but there's more to it than that encourage you to take this fasting journey and just put on there, here's what I'm fasting for. I'm fasting for a breakthrough in my marriage. I'm fasting for a financial breakthrough. I'm fasting for my family, my kids. I got a situation on the job, my business. You just put down what you're fasting for. I'm fasting for, for just spiritual direction. I'm, I'm fasting for something. And you just put it down and then put this wherever you want to put it. I, I suggest the fridge. Just put it right on the fridge. That's going to help you, all right? And just put it wherever you need to put it. And there's different types of fasts. We talked about this last week. There's the Daniel fast. And the Daniel fast is basically you find in Daniel chapter 10 where Daniel chose to, to, to do away with all meat and, and only vegetables, any pleasant food, any chosen food. And, and so that's the Daniel fast. And, and so there's more to it than that. And there's a whole paper with information. You could Google it. It's easy to find information on Daniel fast. And if you're here today and you need to take medication... Uh, because of a, a condition that you have, and so you have to eat food with the medication, or maybe you work manual labor, and, and so it's, it's very difficult for you to fast, and you need, to, you need some strength. The Daniel fast is a great option for you. Uh, also, there's a partial fast. If you're new to fasting, what the partial fast is, you just knock out one food group. You say, the next 21 days, I'm not going to eat meat. I'm not going to have sugar. I'm going to knock out carbs. I'm going to knock out whatever it is. You just, you do away with something. I'm going, to, I'm going to fast something. And if you're new to fasting, that is a great starting point. That's a great starting point for you. And then also there is the full fast. If you've been a part of our church or you've fasted before, uh, this is not new to you. I encourage you to do the full fast. And uh, where you just drink water, maybe some juice, but just drink water. And be careful which juices you choose. And so just do a full fast. Go a whole meal. Go a whole meal. Don't have anything. Go a whole day and don't have anything. And watch what God does. I believe he's just going to do incredible things over this 21 days. And then also don't forget we're doing a daily devotional. We have a lot of people signed up for our daily devotional. If you text the word fasting... Uh, up, up to the number on the screen and just text the word fasting. You'll be a part of our daily devotional. You need the Bible app from version, So get that on your phone or tablet and then you can join along with us every day. And people are putting comments and different things. And so it's a great thing that we do encourage you to be a part of that. If you have your Bibles today, would you do this? Would you turn to three passages of scripture? We're going to start 
in the book of Judges, Judges chapter 7. If you're new to grace, we're going to put these scriptures on the screen. If you have your phone, you could follow along on your phone, uh, not on your Facebook, on your phone, on your Bible app, not on your Instagram, on your, on your Bible app. Follow along on these scriptures and uh, then, but if you have your Bibles, turn to Judges chapter 7 and then Luke chapter 14. We're going to go there and then we're going to end with Luke chapter 5, all right? So Judges chapter 7, then Luke chapter 14, and then also Luke chapter 5. John the Baptist said something that I think is so incredible and it applies to us as we're now one week into our prayer and fasting, our fasting and prayer. He said this in John chapter 3, verse 30. Speaking of Jesus, he said, He must increase and I must decrease. Whew, that's powerful. He must increase and I must decrease. John the Baptist was already, he already had a following. He was baptizing people. People were coming to hear him speak. Watch this. And John the Baptist says that it is now time for Jesus to increase, and it is time for me to decrease. One translation says this, it is time for me to get off the stage. Woo, hallelujah. And if I want to do something in 2020, I want to get off the stage and let Jesus get on the stage. Amen. I want, I want to get off of control of my life, and I want to put Jesus in control of my life. I want him to increase. I want him to increase, and then I want to decrease. And to do that, we have to humble ourselves. We have to say, hey, this year, less of us, less control, less decision-making by myself only, huh? Less entertainment, less of me, more of him. We read this scripture last week from James chapter 4, and it just simply says this, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. And I started to think about that, and I said, what does it look like for God to lift you up? What does it look like? What would it look like for you, personally, in your world? If Jesus went into your house and he said, hey, how can I lift you up? How can I promote you? How can I increase you? What would that look like for you? But if you humble yourselves, the Bible says, if you humble yourselves, he will exalt you and he will lift you up. Praise the Lord. That's what I want for this year. I hope you do the same. God brought me this year. I always try to focus on some passages of Scripture, and there's a couple of them that I want to focus on this 21 days. And one of them is in the, the book of Judges in the story of Gideon. Let me just give you a little bit of a backstory. Gideon was about to face an army of the Midianites, and, and they were so vast, and they were, they were so broad and so strong that Gideon tried to assemble an army of Israelites, and the best he could come up with was 22,000 people. 22,000 people. And the Bible would say later of the Midianites that they were spread out, and when Gideon saw the army, they were like sand in the sea. They were like sand on the ocean, a beach, I should say. They were like, they, like locusts, the Bible says. Right? In other words, they were, they were vastly outnumbered. But God said to Gideon, watch this, in, in Judges chapter 7, in verse number 2, God says to Gideon, he says, And the Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands. Watch this. Lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, My own hand has saved me. 
God said to Gideon, you've got 22,000 people, and that's way too many. And they were incredibly outnumbered. See, here's the challenge, and this is what God's actually saying. God's saying that you could still win. You know, sometimes the underdog wins. Sometimes the team that's not supposed to win somehow comes up and just comes up with the game plan. They come up with the strength. Somehow the ball just bounces their way, and somehow they pull out a victory, right? Sometimes that happens. We say this, any given Sunday, it could happen, right? And so God says to Gideon, hey, listen, you've got 22,000 people. That's too many because here's what it is. It's about you getting the glory versus me getting the glory, Now, 22,000 winning would still be almost miraculous, right? But, But listen, church, I don't want almost miraculous. Did you hear me? I don't want this year to be almost miraculous. I don't want it to be almost like God showed up. Man, it was just almost like God showed up. You know what I'm saying? It was almost miraculous. I mean, I had to help God, but it was almost miraculous. I want this year to be totally miraculous. I don't want to be almost anything. I want it to be all God and none of me. I want it to be God shows up. It's an absolute miracle. There's no way I could do it on my own. And God said to Gideon, you've got too many people. Too many people. Huh? You need to narrow it down because... You could say, and and the message paraphrase says it like this. You could say this, I did it all by myself. And I know many people that are living their life, making their decisions, financial decisions, job decisions, relationship decisions, and they're doing it all by themselves. All by themselves. And the challenge is, let me just tell you, church, can I just drop some, 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 just some wisdom to you? As, as smart as you are, you're not that smart, right? As smart as you are, you're not that smart. As strong as you are, you're not that strong. As good a husband as you think you are, you're not. Come on now. Ladies, as good a wife and mother as you think you are, guess what? You're not. You're not. And chicken soup for the soul isn't going to help you. Do you understand? You need a little bit more than that. I know this. I've been married for 24 years. I got three kids. I'm not smart enough. No way. I'm I'm not talented enough. I don't have enough strength. I don't have enough wisdom. As much financial security as you think you have, you don't. Come on now. As big a nest egg as you've collected, guess what? Nope. Nope. One storm could wipe the whole thing out. Did you hear me? One storm, one phone call, one tragedy, one accident could change it all. We have to get to a point where we are completely dependent upon God. 
where we say, God, we can't go on without you. Listen, I can't face this year without God. It cannot be almost anything. It has to be all God. Hallelujah. I need God to show up in my house. I need God to show up in my marriage. I need God to show up in my kids. I need God to show up in my finances, my health, my job, my business, everything that I do and say, I desperately need the Lord. I desperately need God. Amen. I don't want it to be almost miraculous. I want it to be totally miraculous. So I get to the end of the year, and I look back at 2020, and I go, man, God showed up. I mean, it had to be God. There's no way it could have been me. It had to be all God. Amen? Because I don't want the glory. All the glory belongs to him. He gets all the credit. He gets all the praise. It's all about him. Right? This is what happens when we humble ourselves. When we humble ourselves, he lifts us up. If you're in Luke, Luke chapter 14, I want to read something to you from Luke chapter 14. And this is Jesus, and, and it's really a parable, but it's a parable based on something that he just notices, just, just instantly. It's like he just notices something when he was invited to a, a wedding feast. He just suddenly notices something, and then, and then all of a sudden he begins to teach Luke chapter 14, verse number 7. It says this, so he told a parable to those who were invited when he noted how they chose the best places, saying to them. In other words, this is a parable that just came to him immediately. When you are invited by anyone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the best place, lest one more honorable than you uh, be invited by him, the host, and he, the host, who invited you and him, come and say to you, give place to this man, And then you begin with shame to take the lowest place. Stop right there. Here's what God is saying. He notices that there's these Pharisees and scribes and they're with him and they're at this feast and their dinner. And let's say there's a table over there and there's 12 seats. And they start jockeying for position. They know where the host is going to sit. He's the head of the table. They know that, that he's the mover and shaker. He's the one with the big house and, and the big bank account. And, and they want to get close to him. And so they want to be towards him at the head of the table. And they start thinking to themselves, hey, I'm going to get seat number two. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try it. And all of a sudden, this game of like musical chairs begins to take place. And they just want to get the best seat. And Jesus stood up and he begins to teach. And he says, hey, when you're invited to a wedding feast, don't pick the best seat. Right? Because if you pick the best seat, here's what happens. Somebody may walk in, huh? And they're more honorable than you. And all of a sudden, the host has to say, hey, buddy, hey, pal, appreciate you coming and all, but get your napkin and your drink that you already sipped out of and come on down here with me. And you sit down here at the kitty table. That's where I spent years of Thanksgiving at the kitty table. It took me a lot of time to get to the adult table. And I got to the adult table. It finally took me a lot of time, but I was at the kitty table, the low table, the card table, the one that they pulled out that was all wobbly and shaky, you know what I'm saying? That table I spent years at. And you're at the kitty table, you're back there, and all of a sudden, in shame, you have to take that walk, right? And then here's what he says. Watch this. But when you are invited, verse 10, go and sit down in the lowest place. So that when he who invited you comes, he may say to you, friend, go up higher. Then you'll have glory 
Watch this. Then you'll have glory. Then you will have glory in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. Here's what God's saying. He said, listen, you see 12 seats and you think you belong up there? And you think that you've done so well and you think that you're pretty good and, hey, I, I am, you know, I'm a pretty good Christian and I'm certainly not like other people. And, you, you know, you think to yourself, I, I may not deserve seat one, but I got seat three. That's got my name on it. I'm going to get that one. Huh? God said and said, you come down here and you humble yourself. You sit at the kitty table. Praise the Lord. So that in the presence of everyone... The host looks at you and says, what is he doing there? That's not where he belongs. And he comes and he gets you. And he says these words, friend, go up higher. Ooh, hallelujah. I want to hear those words this year. I want to hear God say to me, Brian, you don't belong there. You belong up here. You belong higher. I've got more for you. There's more in you. I've got increase coming your way. I've got promotion coming your way. I've got blessings coming your way. I've got healing coming your way. I've got miracles coming your way. I've got it all coming your way. You don't belong in the low place. You belong in the exalted place. But you need to let me exalt you. So first, humble yourself. And fasting is humbling. Fasting is saying to God, it's pushing away from the dinner table It's pushing away from the lunch table. It's pushing away from the breakfast table and saying, God, I know I'm hungry, but I'm more hungry for you. And I humble myself today. And it is acknowledging your total dependence on God, that I need God to come through in my family. I need God to come through in my family. I need God in every area of my life. I have to have God show up. Or the other option is, I can say, I got this. I got this, God. God, I got this. I got this marriage. I got this thing figured out. Who? I am Don Juan, but I got this. I am Mr. Romans. I am all that and a bag of chips. I mean, I got this. World's greatest dad. No, you're probably not. Huh? And so we can say to God, God, I got this, or you could say, God, I need you desperately. I need you desperately in my life. See, here's what happens. When you do something privately, God exalts you publicly. When you do something in quiet, God shouts it from the rooftops. In Luke chapter 4, watch this. In Luke chapter 4, the Bible says in verse 1 that Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Spirit to fast for 40 days. Not 21, not 3 Not one meal, not vegan, come on now, not skipping carbs, not going without meat. Forty days he fasted. And for 40 days he battled. And let me tell you, I'm sure he got hungry. Absolutely he got hungry. And he wanted to eat, and the devil knew it, and the devil came to him. But after that 40 days, watch this, it says this. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. In the power of the Spirit. Now watch this. It actually says in my Bible, Jesus begins public 
ministry. Just in bold print. Jesus' public ministry. In other words, what we do in private, right? Because we said this. There's a physical act. Fasting is a physical act. It is denying yourself. It is saying, I want less of me. I'm going to push away from all that I want, from all that I desire. I'm going to push away from that. It's a physical act that reaps a spiritual benefit, right? And Jesus did a private act that all of a sudden began to get public notice. The next thing you know, he's healing the sick. Next thing you know, he's raising the dead. Next thing you know, he's cleansing lepers. Next thing you know, miracles and all these things are taking place. But because he did something private. And fasting is private. It's between you and God. It's between you and God. We don't, we don't tell everybody, because I, I used to do that. Uh, somebody would, I, in fact, I, I would not tell them I was fasting. I did the opposite. I would lie and say that I'm not even hungry. I figured it was a fasting lie. God forgives those. You know what I'm saying? He, he overlooks those. Just doesn't even think about that. It's a fasting lie. Bless Brian anyway. No. I would just lie. They'd say, hey, you want to go get something to eat? I'd say, no, I'm not hungry. I was starving. I was starving. I'd eat dried macaroni. I was so hungry. <laughs> they said, no, no, no. Just, just no, you go. I'm okay. I'm just no, you know. So, don't, so it's, just, it's private. Don't lie. Don't, don't do what I did, okay? Don't lie about it. But just, it's between you and God. But still, it's something God's called us to do. Jesus didn't do it in our place. He did it as an example for us. Because we could choose today to go in the power of your own might or to go in the power of the Spirit. Right? God gave me a verse uh, and before the fast even started, and it's from the book of Zechariah, and I want to give you a little backstory before we read it. There's a prophet by the name of Zechariah, and he's beginning to prophesy to the nation of Israel. And he gets in chapter 4, the first part, first part of chapter 4, he gets a vision. Right? And, and, and the vision is an, an angelic vision and it's this vision that he doesn't understand. He cannot comprehend it, right? And the angel actually asks him a question and says, Hey, Zachariah, do you understand what you're seeing? Because some of you right now are here and you say, You know, I feel like God's called me to do something. I, I just don't know what it is. I can't get clarity. I can't get direction. I'm choosing between two careers. I'm choosing between two options. I'm choosing between relationships. And you just can't get any, any clarity, right? And so the word of the Lord comes to Zechariah, this angelic visitation, and then the angel says, do you understand what you're seeing? And he says, no, I, I don't understand. I don't know what it is. Now watch this. In Zechariah chapter 4, and at verse number 6, it says this. So he answered, the angel answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Now, Zerubbabel was the chief officer in charge of seeing that the Israelites got the victory. So in other words, he's saying, Zechariah, I want you to prophesy to the chief officer. I want you to prophesy to Zerubbabel. And here's the prophecy. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Hallelujah. Not by might. One translation says it like this. It is not by the might of your armies. Right? Not by the might of your armies. Not by your own might. Not by your own strength. 
but by my spirit, says the Lord. And I feel like we have options this year. We can choose to do it in our own strength, in our own might, in our own wisdom, with our own finances, with our own choices, or we can say this, God, I can't do it alone. I can't do it without you. I'm not strong enough, smart enough, smart or, 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 or have enough strength. I desperately need you in my life. It cannot be by my own strength. It cannot be by my own might or power. It has to be by your spirit. Amen. It has to be by your spirit. Amen. And then it says this, says the Lord of hosts. I like that part. Did you catch that? The Lord of hosts. It doesn't just say, says the Lord. Says the Lord God of mighty. Says the Lord God of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It just doesn't say the Lord, right? Elohim. It says the Lord of hosts. That word host means armies. As Zerubbabel was gathering an army, the word of the Lord came to him. It's not by your army. It's by my army. Hallelujah. It's not by your strength, it's by my strength. It's not by your soldiers, it's my soldiers. Hallelujah. It's not your finances, it's my finances. Ooh, that excites me. Huh? It's not by your bank account, it's my bank account. Oh, I felt that one. It's not by your wisdom. Your parenting skills, it's my parenting skills. Come on now. It's not with your husbandry and, and, and way to woo your wife. It's how I can do it through you. Amen. It's by God's might, not by ours. Praise the Lord. That has to be how this year looks. That has to be the choice that we make. We have to say less of us, more of him. Amen. That has to be how it works. Now watch this. Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, if you're in Luke, just turn over a few chapters to Luke chapter 5. And I want to show you that somebody came to Jesus with a complaint. Don't they always? They come with a complaint. They got this complaint. And they actually said to Jesus, this complaint. And they said, Jesus, watch this, verse 33, Luke chapter 5, they said to him, why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers, and likewise those of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink? That's a great question. That's a great question. And he said to them, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. Then they will fast in those days. Watch this. Here's what Jesus is saying. They said, hey, how come, how come your disciples aren't fasting? Huh? And Jesus answered, it's because I'm with them right now. I'm right next to them. They need direction, I give them direction. They need wisdom, I give them wisdom. They need power, I give them power. Huh? I give them everything that they need. I tell them where to go, what to do, when to do it. I mean, I'm the bridegroom, they're the friends of the bridegroom, and we're, we're together right now. But the day's coming when I'm going. And when I go, watch this, they're going to need to fast to get back what they've lost when I go. Did you hear me? They're going to need to fast to get back. The days are coming when they will need to fast, when they will fast. 
to get back what they've lost when I've gone. And we fast, here's what happens. When we fast, it's less of us, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit begins to be what Jesus was to his disciples. He begins to give us direction. He begins to give us strength. He begins to give us uh, wisdom. He begins to, to, to bless us. Everything that Jesus was to his disciples, when we fast, we allow the Holy Spirit to begin to do in our life. Amen. Would you do this today, church? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes?